comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Catherine revved up the microwave, I'd piss my pants and forget who I was for a half hour or so. It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. I'll be there in 10. Is this a five-minute argument or a full half hour? You have 30 minutes to move your car. Your car. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to a half hour wasted. All geek without the steak. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 512 of Half Hour Wasted. We're deep into season two of Half Hour Wasted. When did season two start? Was that episode 501, I think? (laughs) Well, whenever we came out of that really long hiatus, I I always say that was the end of season one. I thought after we had um, done episode 500 when we started with 501, I think we decided to call it season two. You're right. Yeah, I, for uh, I've been thinking about ever something you said last episode, so I will start. This is Brad, and this is Frank, and this is at the voice HHW. There you go. <clears throat> I'm starting to wonder now if this is somebody's first episode of Half Hour Wasted. Yeah. I if mean, it so, is, some episode is always <laughs> someone's first. Yeah, just like in the in the old days of Marvel Comics, Stan Lee was like. Every comic book is somebody's first comic book, so make sure everybody understands the backstory when they read this. Yeah, that's why I always love their their little one page recaps at the beginning. And um, in radio, uh, they say that you need to reintroduce yourself to the audience every seven minutes, so it makes sense. That's why uh, you'll be in the middle of a uh, an interview with uh, some celebrity type or whatnot, and uh, you know, once or twice during you know said fifteen minute interview, they'll reset and say you're listening to Half Hour Wasted, and this is Frank, Bill, and Brad. And especially during long format shows, um, like interview shows, uh, there are some NPR programs that I really like, and there'll be interviews, and occasionally a couple times during it, they will they will pop and go, hey, this is so and so with so and so talking to so and so. It's the reset. Maybe we yeah. should do that from now on. <clears throat> I mean, uh, that's terrestrial radio, not uh, not us. So I think people are people are tuning into half hour wasted. Uh, they they know what they're getting into. I suppose. Unless it's their first episode that they don't know what they're getting into. So, oh, it's so confusing. So many layers. We're well, like an onion. Ogres. Ogres have layers. Ogres are like onions. <laughs> yes. yes. Cakes have layers. <clears throat> well, uh, we mentioned comic books. This is going to be a uh, comic book centered, centric, comic book related uh, episode because we're going to talk about the three W's Wonder Woman and WandaVision. Uh, let's just get right into Wonder Woman 1984. We've all seen it, yes? Yes. 
Yes, 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 okay. yes, yes. I was waiting for waiting for Sorry. the peanut gallery to chime in there. Um, <laughs> I assumed it was assumed. <clears throat> uh, surface thoughts, Bill. Let's start with you. Uh, I like. Wait a minute. I'm sorry, Bill. We'll get back to it. I promise you. Why are sure. you wearing two sets of headphones, Frank? Aha! <laughs> I realized this <laughs> when we broke between the last episode and this episode. So the ones I have around my neck are my Bluetooth. It's what I use when I walk my dog and stuff. Uh, uh, prior to us recording, I was out taking my dog for a walk and stuff. We came in. I put them around my neck. We started recording. When I record, I wear wired headphones. And uh, ta-da. <laughs> That's what's happening, Brad. Okay. Thank you for that. I saw them last episode and meant to ask, but uh, forgot. Yeah. All right, Bill. Surface thoughts on Wonder Woman 1984? I said I, uh, I, liked, it, uh, I liked it more than you guys did. <clears throat> okay. Uh, for myself, I, uh, I thought it was extremely okay. Had some issues with it. Uh, definitely like Wonder Woman 1 a lot more. Uh, this one I thought was just a little all over the place. I did not hate it, but I did not like it. Um, the only thing I can say, honestly, that I liked about this movie was Kristen Wiig's performance. I thought she was absolutely brilliant. Um, because she can do both comedy and drama and I, her serious stuff I think is really wonderful and we don't see enough of it. Oh, uh, and she's, uh, uh, she's actually beautiful in this, in this movie, especially when she, uh, when her confidence builds. I've, yeah, um, I've always thought Kristen Wiig was just gorgeous. Yeah. I've always thought she was gorgeous, but it may have had something to do. No, she's got a pretty face, but I also think a funny girl is a gorgeous girl as well. Yeah. There, there's always been kind of a quirkiness to her. She's always had this, uh, she's to me, she's a very attractive woman, but in this movie, she was like beautiful, uh, when she made the transformation, uh, you know, maybe that's the direction, but she's, she's definitely attractive woman. I, I've always loved her performance and her as an actress and she's just beautiful to me. Bill, you said something that didn't cut through. Oh, um, no, I didn't. (laughs) I, I watched you, I watched you talk and we couldn't hear any of it. Would you like? Are you, are you wanting to retract what you said? Is that what it is? Oh no, no! I just, uh, uh, I, I, my uh, comment was that uh, I absolutely uh, consider myself a sapiosexual, which means I'm attracted to intelligence. Oh, gotcha. Um, I, uh, I think the problem for me with this movie was the story was goofy. I mean, Johnny M summed it up nicely in a text message to me. It's basically a magical genie grant genie lamp that grants wishes and yeah the uh the the story was it just needed more development in my opinion and what's really surprised me is that this movie was co-written by jeff johns who we all know is an amazing storyteller in the comic book medium you know i i would in my mind this does not feel like a jeff Johns story no uh i could i could definitely see him taking a pass at it developing the story and then it going on to uh to some ghostwriters or to some professional screenwriters and them making it more marketable i mean that this story to me i think if it was told in a longer format other than a a two hour two and a half hour movie i think you could have developed the idea a little better 
because uh, a lot of it just moves so quickly. I'm you looking. Know, uh, <clears throat> pardon me. I'm looking. Let's see. Writers: Patty Jenkins. Story by Jeff Johns. Screenplay by Patty Jenkins, Jeff Johns, and Dave Callahan. So, you know, I'm going to hold him responsible. Yeah, his name is on the screenplay. Story is one thing. When it's on the screenplay, that those are the words on the screen. So, well, and for me, it's not. It wasn't so much even the words on the screen, although some of them were pretty ridiculous. But it was just the story itself. I mean, Patty Jenkins, you know, she's responsible too. You know, and it, it before, if I had heard that she was going to write a Rogue Squadron movie. Before she, before I saw Wonder Woman 1984, I would have been super excited about the Rogue Squadron movie. But this kind of puts a little dampening on that enthusiasm. But I'm, I'm not going to just Brad. assume anything. Are you afraid she's going to tell too small a story? Well, see, this story was too big. I mean... Or too you, convoluted. When you grant I... wishes to a planet full of 7 billion people... It's going to be kind of hard to keep the story contained to something that you can relate to. That, that was in my from, opinion. Yeah, and the 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 contra, contradiction of it uh and this maybe this is just me overthinking, but you know, you know someone's going to wish to be the richest person in the world or the most beautiful person in the world. And so, you know, if more than one person asked for that, then how is that wish granted? <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, and then it it, it kind of contradicts itself, and then it's it's. Uh... I want to hear from Bill. I want to hear why he liked it more than you and I. Um, I like the fact that it was uh, not full of explosions and really just just nauseatingly terrible CGI. Uh, I like the fact that the third act was not a boss battle uh, against a. Uh, um, uh, an obviously CGI uh, uh, created creature. Um, I like the fact that um, that the, the story it told did not require um, uh, people uh, people dying in mass. Um, uh, I like the fact that they were willing to tell a story that was uh, that, that nobody could have possibly expected uh, the path that Wonder Woman 1984 took to get to its end point. So I, uh, I think that it was, um, surprising. Um, uh, I think that, um, the message, uh, that it gave the, um, basically kind of the message of hope was, uh, was really kind of cool. Um, I, I don't think that, uh, um, I, I understand that the people wanted, you know, more and more and more, you know, trademark, but, um, I'm, I don't have a problem with, um, uh, the filmmakers not giving that to us. Um, I now I think there were, uh, there were some fairly problematic things uh, in the movie. Um, uh, you know, the, they spent months, uh, you know, maybe a calendar year um, uh, peppering us with images of Diana's golden armor, and it was awesome. But you know, it, if it hadn't been in the movie, nobody would have nobody would have missed it. Um, you know, they, they did a few things like that. And, you know, the, the way they brought back Steve Trevor was, um, uh, was pretty cringy. Um, I, I just, I don't understand how 
intelligent adults uh, decided that this is the way they're going to uh, reintroduce Steve Trevor to the story, and that that was just fine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because um, the idea, and I'm sorry to, to jump ahead here, but uh, the way that, that they bring Steve Trevor back is, spoiler alert, it's, it's inside. They bring his consciousness and throw it into another person's body. Uh, they never really explain what happens to that person's consciousness. Uh, it is clearly subsumed by Steve's, but uh, you know, I don't know that I don't remember if they explicitly state that uh, he's just down there, kind of, kind of sleeping it off. And uh, someday, if you ever leave this body, uh, you know, if your consciousness ever leaves, he'll be back, you know, just like he was before, uh, with maybe a number of questions. Or you know, did they completely destroy his personality? You know, like uh, in the comic books. Um, uh, the uh, the human named Barbara Norris, uh, her body is taken over by the persona of the Valkyrie, and in that instance, um, the Valkyrie takes her body permanently. Uh, in fact, there's a number of uh, uh, there's numerous issues where uh, Barbara Norris's husband Jack Norris, and this is uh, the original Defenders run. Uh, these issues like oh, basically twenty to thirty five, forty somewhere in there. Um, so we're talking the Wayback Machine here, back in the late 70s. But uh, they spend a number of issues on Jack Norris hanging around the Defenders trying to convince um, the Valkyrie that she is, in fact, his wife. And she, at every turn, says, I'm not your stinking wife. Get it through your head. I'm the Valkyrie. Your wife is gone forever. I'm sorry it had to happen that way, but she's freaking gone. And he does not want to accept that. Um, uh, pretty obvious why, because uh, she's hot. She was going to kill herself. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. I'm, I'm hearing from um, my uh, uh, my better half that, um, uh, <laughs> that Barbara Norris was uh, the, the the human Barbara Norris was actually suicidal, and uh, that is one of the main reasons why Valkyrie picked her body to inhabit. Um, I'm sorry, and and that's correct. Uh, It was not the Valkyrie that picked Barbara Norris. It was the Enchantress, that that evildoer, who who took her and jammed her into that body. At that point, uh, um, all three of them, uh, that weird little triangle, although Barbara Norris was gone, 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 uh, they all just had to kind of live with it because that was something that was done to them. Anyway, uh, what an aside that was uh, to uh, bring the tugboat back into shore. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, basically Wonder Woman, and they, they pretty explicitly say that, uh, that, that Diana and, uh, and Steve had at least one night of, uh, of passion, if you will, and so... Do we want to go so far as to say she was essentially kind of uh, doing unto this body that Steve Trevor was inhabiting without the permission of the original inhabitant? Yeah. The um, uh, my, uh, you know, they they could have totally corrected this by not even bothering do, doing that and just have Trevor just show up because nobody in 1984 knows who Steve Trevor is. <laughs> it was so just shown up. You've got this this all powerful MacGuffin that can grant literally any wish, and so why wouldn't this thing have just said, "Okay, here he is, he's back"? You know, it didn't exactly. It, the the whole the whole 
the, the way it meandered into, oh, well, he's actually in somebody else's body. And when anybody else looks at him, they see the, the OG human. But whenever he looks in the mirror, he sees the reflection of Steve Trevor. And, um, you know, that's... In my head, that's what she wished for. Yeah. Oh, okay. I just heard Mike say, in his head, that's what she wished for. I don't... I, <laughs> well, <clears throat> I was wondering the same thing. Why not just have him come back? as you know in his own body but do you think right. maybe the writers were thinking if he came back in somebody else's body when <laughs> when steve left the body still lives on is that some way for diana to kind of think maybe steve kind of lives on a little bit you know in some form uh, I, I would say no because uh, her wish was not uh, did not have a time limit set on it. Yeah, her wish. Was not, I wish I could have Steve Trevor back for the next fortnight, right? Or for the next year. You know, her wish was I just want him back. Period. Dead stop. Or so, if she said, if I could only have him back for one night, well, that would have been kind of cool. What makes it creepy is if, in theory, her wish had been granted forever then this poor OG chap whose psyche was subsumed by Steve Trevor, um, that would have been forever for the rest of, uh, for the rest of, uh, OG dude's natural life. He would have never been himself again. His consciousness, much like in get out would have been, you know, would have been shoved down a dark hole forever. Uh, that doesn't sound very heroic to me. I would like to have seen some kind of recognition on that guy's part. You know, after Steve leaves and his he gets his own mind back in his own body, like he yeah. maybe just some throwaway line of dialogue that said something like, I'm having a hard time kind of remembering the last week or so, but, you know, I know something weird's going on. Or just some kind of throwaway dialogue that right that yeah. might have been a whatever, reference. Yeah. They, yeah, to whatever credit they earn. <laughs> They do have a shot, you know, at the end of the movie where the guy is kind of looking at his hands or something and going, what? Yeah. Uh, so I guess, you know, in theory, they make it all better. And, and you know, this, this, it's interesting that uh, uh, it's interesting to me that um, I'm spending time kind of uh, kind of raking the movie over the coals for, for this choice it made, seeing as otherwise. Uh, again, I'm. I'll, I'll say that I uh, I think I uh, liked it better than you guys. Now, I will also say that uh, uh, will I ever watch the movie again? It's possible. I have no plans to do so. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of media out there, um, which I'm absolutely positive that I need to watch two, three, four times. Uh, um, the, we we talked about a bunch of those properties uh, last week on the show. Um, but um, I enjoyed One Woman in 1984. Um, uh, and uh, with that said, I'm in no hurry to ever rewatch. Like I, you, know, you almost get the feeling like I should rewatch. While we've still got this this quote unquote free month on HBO Max to do so, um, and uh, yeah, I have no idea. Maybe I will. Probably I won't. We'll see. Did uh, did any of you guys have an issue with Steve Rogers knowing how to fly a jet? Well, <clears throat> I know he knows how to fly, but getting it off the ground yeah. and and uh, all it? that instrument panel just seemed a little overwhelming. Wasn't it kind of a a bumpy takeoff? It yeah. was, but I mean, I mean, yeah. someone who from World War One, the beginning of aviation, where all you have are foot pedals and a yeah. joystick, going to instrument panels and stuff, and him 
figuring it out was a little bit of a leap for me. It was, but I did enjoy seeing the invisible jet. Great. That was nice. That, that was definitely a highlight for me. I thought the way they figured out how to make that work. Yeah. And it, that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was a really cool moment. Um, I think that uh, one of the most interesting things about the movie, one of one of my uh, one of the things that, that makes the movie uh, raises a letter grade or so, in my opinion, is the notion that um, uh, that everybody on the planet all of a sudden, you know, had agency over themselves because of these free wishes they were getting, and that uh, that the way that the conflict was solved was that. Every single person on Earth, as far as we know, was convinced by Diana to renounce their wish fulfillment and to renounce their um, uh, their immediate gratification, and that every human on Earth uh, actually said, "You know what? I'm going to delay gratification uh, for the betterment of uh, the entire world and you know our existence uh, in in general." And I just thought that's that's very interesting because uh, the society, uh, the way the the place our society is right now, uh, doesn't really seem like it's set up to do that. And I, I kept wondering, is Patty Jenkins trying to send some kind of subliminal libertarian message out to the people? Uh, uh, I, I I in no way want to get political uh, with this, but uh, I, I did find it uh, fascinating that it seemed like a very you know it was uh, not a very progressive viewpoint that uh, the way that we save ourselves is to literally start with our own personal responsibility and, uh, you know, and, and emanate out, you know, work out from there. Um, so yeah, I well, just, there were a lot of things one, I just found fascinating and unexpected. And that was uh, probably top of my list. Wonder Woman has always been like the beacon of hope in, in the DC universe. And I, you know, what I kind of got from it was that, you know, her emanating and reminding people what humanity is about, because she's always trying to, to become one, you know, understand the human world so much better. Just, just having people reminding people, you know, where the goodness of humanity lies, which is, which is, you know, in each other. I, I thought that was more of the message than it being some type of like political message. I mean, maybe there is a little bit of that in there, but I, I, I want to believe that, you know, Patty Jenkins and Jeff Johns and the other guy just wanted to remind us that, you know, Wonder Woman is a beacon of hope. And, and when she speaks, you can't help, but just be inspired. Yeah. And I'm not trying to say in any way that they were trying to make a political statement. In fact, I, I don't believe that they were, um, but I just, I, I found, uh, uh, I found the concept, uh, to be, uh, a very, uh, very interesting idea. Um, an idea that, uh, it, it does feel like, um, uh, you know, much of society has, uh, has either lost or forgotten or, um, kind of, you know, they're not, not as many people worried about personal responsibility these days as, uh, as it would be good for society if they did. Uh, I didn't say that very well. Last thing I have to say about Wonder Woman is I just feel like <clears throat> we should mention that Gal Gadot did great as always, and Pedro Pascal, you know, he did he did he did his best with the material he was given. His <laughs> character was a little bit over the top, little little crazy, but I think uh, he was written that way. But I don't I don't believe Max is uh, Maxwell is that way in the comics, you know. So. 
I just had some issues with it, but um, it's, you know, it all it all comes down to the story. I think was the main problem here. I yeah. loved uh, everything about uh, about Maxwell Lord in this movie. I love Pedro Pascal chewing scenery and having uh, obviously having a great time while doing it. Um, and I was, he was making a, a ham and cheese sandwich. If you want to, he, um, he was very Nicholas Cagey in this movie. Yeah, he was. He um, he was having fun. People who know me know that I'm no fan of feels. No yeah. fan of feels in my media. I, I I don't really have any place for it. Life you is have weird. a cold black heart, Bill. <laughs> oh, no, life is weird enough, and I don't need uh, freaking media uh, reinforcing that kind of uh, that kind of nonsense. So, um, uh, I I will say though that um, uh, once Maxwell Lord finally figured out, you know, what he had done and was remorseful and gave it up. And at that point, uh, that reunion with him and his kid, um, uh, that, that freaking, uh, that brought, uh, uh, that, that made my eyes, uh, uh, fill up with more water than there should have been. And, um, I just, I, I found that little moment, uh, um, very, very much to be, it, uh, maybe the, the prize, um, in that, that, that movie's metaphorical box of cereal, um, now I do think I read an interesting think piece uh, uh, that said that the DCEU, even when they win, may you know, even when they win, they lose because they have now lost the ability. Unless we consider this an Elseworld story, which it's not. We know that uh, that Wonder Woman is at least tied into the the so-called greater DCU with you know Henry Cavill and the Justice League and and you know Aquaman and whatnot. But they missed the opportunity to have Maxwell Lord be the truly dangerous, you know, kind of the the Thanos of the DCEU phase two, uh, essentially. Because uh, in the comics, uh, Maxwell Lord is far more dangerous and far more nefarious and far more uh, destructive uh, than his character was uh, as played by Pedro in '84. Uh, and uh, uh, so I mean, they lost the chance to use him in that capacity otherwise. I, because I wouldn't buy if, if you did want to use him in that capacity otherwise, just real quick, I'll finish up here. Uh, I would not believe it if you turned Pedro Pascal's 1984 character into that guy in the future. I would not buy it. So, so there you, you could, I mean, what you could do is you could have uh, Maxwell Lord Jr. or Maxwell Lord, uh, uh, the grandson. Uh, the Maxwell Lord the Third come out. Uh, it, it's still possible, uh, I think. But you know, having that proper Maxwell Lord, I think, is definitely out. Yeah, I mean, unless you bring him in from you know, oh hey, here's Earth Two's Maxwell Lord. You could do something like that. But um, you know, I mean, it's a freaking superhero movie. You know, literally anything is possible. Well, uh, and and that wasn't Maxwell Lord. That was his. Uh, uh, that was he had changed his name. His name was not Maxwell Lord. Interesting. Okay. Okay. I had forgotten that detail. Um, okay. Well, that leaves uh, some wiggle room. That leaves comic book amounts of wiggle room to reintroduce the proper Maxwell Lord. Um, uh, yeah. Um, that's interesting. Okay. I'll have to look at that. Maybe I will watch uh, Wonder Woman eighty four a second time. We are nearing the end of our episode, and I wanted to briefly at this point, and, and in all honesty, it would have been a brief discussion on my behalf anyway, about uh, what is going on there, Frank? 
Are well, you? Are you? You are sharing your screen. <laughs> oh gosh, I was wondering if I had done that. You are sharing your screen. That is crazy. Stop sharing. Man. Stop sharing. Anyway, that threw me off. Woo! Okay. That's better. Um, I want to briefly mention WandaVision, the new Marvel show. They've dropped two episodes. I watched them both. Um, at at this point, this series is more of a novelty for me than anything else because the lead story is buried way too deep in what we've seen so far. Um, there's obviously something going on. They gave us the briefest of nuggets at the end of episode one and only the briefest of nuggets in the episode uh, in episode two. I think it's very clever. I think it's very well done. Um, episode one was obviously the Dick Van Dyke analog episode two is the bewitched analog especially because it moves from black and white to color much like uh bewitched did but there for me i'm really hoping in episode three we get more of the main story and and more more of a a meal instead of a nugget appetizer Let's um let's let's talk uh, more about WandaVision uh, once we have the third episode and maybe they establish the road they're on a little more. Um, give us a little more time to long form it um, in the next episode or two as well. I agree. I agree. I think it's going to be worth discussing, but I don't think there's enough to discuss at this point. I have a lot of thoughts, including the fact that uh, you know why was why were uh, you know. And of course, people probably are aware of this, but the first two episodes were black and white, four by three television, just like you would have watched them in the late 50s and early 60s. Um, by the end of episode two, it has apparently transitioned to color, uh, which is which is a fairly clever thing. Um, but um, uh, yeah, we're, we're just we're we're being teased at this point. Uh, we I don't think that we've even. I don't think we're even on the road. I think we're on the access road to the road we're going to be on for the rest of this, uh, this show's run. Um, but it was just so weird that everything that this, this whole show has been just slightly off center, just slightly off kilter uh, because in episode two, not episode one, but episode two, everything that was colored red was actually red and everything else in the world was black and white. And it was really strange. Like when, when uh, the vision got the uh, the chewing gum, the big red, the pack of big red was red. I didn't actually black. notice that. That's crazy. It, that happens a couple of times. Uh, look closely. You know, go back and watch episode two again. But there's uh, uh, two or three instances uh, where you see something red. It's like that's red, but everything else is black and white. That's so weird. Which, Explain. Please. Which episode had the drones? Uh, the what? Which episode had the drone? The drone. Um, it was a yellow yeah. drone. When everything was black and white, there was a yellow drone that Wanda found in the bushes. Yes, yes. I, that may have been the beginning of episode two, but geez, I'd have to, I, we watched them uh, back to back last yeah. night. And it was late, and so I probably have stuff mixed up between uh, the two episodes. I know so. Frank hasn't seen it. So, so we'll I, and, I'm, and I'm fine talking about spoilers and stuff like that. So don't don't yeah. hold back on my part. I would we definitely can. watch it, Frank. But I think Bill is very right that we should delay a, an in-depth discussion once we get more meat. Yeah, yeah, de definitely. Um, um, I'm all for it. I, I am looking forward to it. Uh, it it definitely was not on my must see. I knew I was going to see it eventually. 
Um, it's very clever. They they know who they are. They know what they are. They know what they can do, but they still act like they're very confused about their existence at this point. Well, it's the classic amnesia bit where uh, I don't know my name, but I know what my so-called powers are, right. and I know where I am. You know, uh, I, I you know I know most of my friends' names, but I you know it's just. It, it's it's really interesting and and yeah where they're going with it is a great question i can't wait to find out yeah all right cool well thank you uh listeners for joining us on this abbreviated ish episode hey, we actually did pretty good i just had a i just picked up my video recorder and there was a strange message on it that w- disappeared just as i looked at it but we are still recording so this is all good i don't know what that okay was. you mentioned video recorder no, my um if I said video recorder, I, I meant my, oh, gotcha. my Zoom, okay. my handy uh it actually says handy recorder. I suppose that's why I said <laughs> it out loud. I saw it and never didn't my H four N Zoom recorder. Um anyway, uh guys, I love seeing your faces and I can't wait till I can give you man hugs. Um gosh, I miss you guys so much. But Thank you, Brad and Bill. I mean uh, I miss you guys too. Um please uh Bill Please thank Mike for allowing you to ignore him for the last couple hours. Will do. Will do. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> Take us out, Frank. You've been listening to a half-hour wasted broad member of the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Send your questions and comments to halfhourwasted at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at halfhourwasted. Leave us or any of the HHW LOD shows a voicemail at 469-298-9739. Or an easy way to remember that is go wax type 9. Until next week, I'm Frank. I'm Brad. And I'm not the flatulent one. Don't look at me like that. And, And we'll see you next time on Half Hour. What is it? Wasted. Oh, sorry. Brad. Do I hear NASA snoring? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. I was hoping I was hoping that did not come through. Well, it only hearing it didn't. You're run, hearing my dog snore. It didn't right till the very end. <laughs> give uh, give NASA some scrunchies for me. Yeah, I certainly yes. will. All right, let, let's go out with the with the two. Uh, bye, All right, guys. bye.